Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 553 of our three-year journey through God's Word. Back home again from vacation, back in our normal place, our normal setting for our Walking with Jesus Through the Word. I got a nice cup of coffee. Nothing quite tastes like the coffee you make at home, at least for me. And we're in First Chronicles 23. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help today. Father in heaven, thank you so much for being our faithful God and Father. You never leave us or forsake us. You never fail to keep your promises. You never fail to be who you are for us. And we just praise you for that. Right now, we need you to be our teacher. As we turn to First Chronicles 23, we need your Holy Spirit who inspired these words to be the one who writes them on our hearts and who draws us closer to Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, First Chronicles chapter 23, continuing with the preparations that David makes for the temple and for the worship of God and for the, the, the government of Israel after his death. So, 1 Chronicles 23, When David was old and full of days, he made Solomon his son king over Israel. David assembled all the leaders of Israel and the priests and the Levites. The Levites, 30 years old and upward, were numbered, and the total was 38,000 men. 24,000 of these, David said, shall have charge of the work in the house of the Lord. 6,000 shall be officers and judges, 4,000 gatekeepers and 4,000 shall offer praises to the Lord with the instruments that I have made for praise. And David organized them in divisions corresponding to the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Gershon were Laden and Shimei. The sons of Laden, Jehiel the chief, and Zetham, and Joel, three. The sons of Shimei, Shalemoth, Haziel, and Haran, three. These were the heads of the fathers' houses of Laden. And the sons of Shimei, Jahath, Zena, and Jeush, and Beriah, these four were the sons of Shimei. Jahath was the chief, and Zizah the second. But Jeush and Beriah did not have many sons. Therefore, they become counted. they became counted as a single father's house. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, four. The sons of Amram, Aaron and Moses. Aaron was set apart to dedicate the most holy things, that he and his sons forever should make offerings before the Lord and minister to him and pronounce blessings in his name forever. But the sons of Moses, the man of God, were named among the tribes of Levi. The sons of Moses, Gershom and Eliezer. The sons of Gershom, Shebuel the chief. The sons of Eliezer, Rehabiah the chief. Eliezer had no other sons, but the sons of Rehabiah were many. The sons of Izhar, Shelemith the chief. The sons of Hebron, Jeriah the chief, Amariah the second, Jehaziel the third, and Jechamim the fourth. The sons of Uziel, Micah the chief, and Isheah the second. The sons of Morari, Malai and Mushai. The sons of Malai, Eliezer and Kish. Eliezer died having no sons but only daughters. Their kinsmen, the sons of Kish, married them. The sons of Mushai, Malai, Eder, and Jeremoth, three. These were the sons of Levi by their father's houses, the heads 
of fathers' houses as they were listed according to the number of the names of the individuals from 20 years old and upward who were to do the work for the service of the house of the Lord. For David said, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given rest to his people, and he dwells in Jerusalem forever. And so the Levites no longer need to carry the tabernacle or any of the things for its service. For by the last words of David, the sons of Levi were numbered from twenty years old and upward. For their duty was to assist the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord, having the care of the courts and the chambers, the cleansing of all that is holy, and any work for the service of the house of God. Their duty was also to assist with the showbread, the flour for the grain offering, the wafers of unleavened bread, the baked offering, the offering mixed with oil, and all measures of quantity or size. And they were to stand every morning, thanking and praising the Lord, and likewise at evening. And whenever burnt offerings were offered to the Lord on Sabbaths, new moons, and feast days, according to the number of required of them regularly before the Lord. Thus they were to keep charge of the tent of meeting and the sanctuary, and to attend the sons of Aaron, their brothers, for the service of the house of the Lord. That is First Chronicles chapter 23. So, we're first given the history, and, uh, well, we're first given the count, right? The count of when David organizes the Levites, and really he, he, he kind of takes on a, a role that's Moses-like in that there's this huge transition that's going to be happening from tabernacle to temple. David's provided the money and the material that's going to be needed for building the temple. His son Solomon is going to actually carry out those orders to build the temple because the Lord has told David that because he's a man of war, he can't build the temple, but his son Solomon will. And so Solomon's going to build the temple. And that means there's going to be this massive shift from a tabernacle, which is a tent and is portable, although it had been in the same place for some time, but it could be carried from place to place and tents require a certain level of maintenance and repair and care that's different from a, a permanent standing building. Of course, a permanent standing building of the temple is also going to require care. But, but this shift from tabernacle to temple has an accompanying shift in responsibilities and uh, sort of a need for a, a kind of reorganization of the Levites. And so David takes a role similar to what Moses had done uh, some 500 years prior when he had organized the Levites. This is what David does now. He's very much following in the footsteps of Moses. He's not radically reorienting things. It's not like he says, oh, the sons of Aaron are no longer going to be the priests. We're going to give those to the sons of Malai or Mushai. No, he doesn't do that. He keeps things the way that they were. But the the responsibilities change somewhat. And so first we have this new numbering. So there are 38,000 Levites who are, the Levites are the one tribe in Israel that is tasked with caring for and providing for the worship of God. And that includes the instruction of the people in the law 
and the carrying out of the details of the ceremonial law in sacrifices and cleanliness codes and inspections and determinations of clean and unclean, etc. Plus they had to guard the things that were there. Plus they had to maintain the things that were there and they had to lead in the music of the praise of God's people. So you have 6,000 people who are officers and judges. They are to be experts in the law. They are to be lawyers. They are to study and know the law of Moses and to be able to make decisions about that animal is clean, that animal is unclean, for this particular sacrifice is called for in this particular situation, you're going to need this particular animal, it's going to have to pass this particular Or if you have this kind of dispute over this kind of issue, here's what the law says about that, and here's how you're going to have to carry that out. So it's a mix of ceremonial and judicial, because the law of God given through Moses is, is governing the worship as well as the civil life of the people. 4,000 gatekeepers. These are people who are responsible for the security of things, um, as well as for making sure that people only come to the appropriate parts that are, you know, fitting for them. 4,000 then who offer praises to the Lord with instruments made for praise. Now, you couldn't have, right, 14,000 people functioning in these ways continually at the temple. That's just way too many people. And so they're going to be in shifts, which is described elsewhere in Scripture, and they're going to be on, on duty for two or three weeks or a month at a time, and then they're going to be off duty for the rest of that year until it's time for them to come back on duty. And that's why the, the, the Levitical cities are scattered throughout the tribes of Israel. And back in the Levitical cities, the Levites have farms and they grow food and they also might work in a craft or in a trade, but also back in those cities, they were to be teaching the law and instructing people in the way of the law of God given through Moses. So these numbers, these 38,000, it wouldn't be 38,000 people all staying at the temple all at the same time. You'd have some fraction of that, um, probably well under 4,000 people or even under 3,000 people who would be there at one time. That's not described in detail here but it is described elsewhere in scripture. And so you next have the, the genealogies and the chronicler loves genealogies. And the reason why the chronicler loves genealogies is a particular reason for it. It's not just because he's obsessed with lists of names, although sometimes when you're reading through First Chronicles, it feels like he's obsessed with lists of names, but there's a reason behind it. And that is, remember, they're being restored to the land after the Babylonian exile. And they need some assurance that this is a legitimate undertaking. The temple was in ruins for 70 years. There was, you know, a couple of generations of exile. And now you have a return. And how do we know? Are we really doing things in a way that honors God? Is God really going to bless this undertaking? So you look back to David and see David set things up this way. And he is, he is an example from 500 years prior to when this restoration is happening. You go back 500 years to David, then you can go back another 500 years to Moses. And you say, see, this is being done according to how David set things up. And really, it can be traced all the way back to Moses, which is now a thousand years prior to when Chronicles is being written. So God is faithful to his promise. And we are to follow the pattern that he laid down in his law. That is what is being taught here 
in Chronicles, that God is faithful to his promise. He was faithful a thousand years ago. He was faithful 500 years ago. He'll be faithful to us today. And we are to trust God's faithfulness by being ourselves faithful to the pattern that he has set. Now, of course, we live on this side of the cross where the temple has been fulfilled in Jesus. The ceremonial law has been fulfilled in the once for all sacrifice and our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. But still, there are patterns of worship that have been thoughtfully laid down by God's people following biblical principles. And I think that's one of the things that we should draw from this. I am not a fan of the idea that every generation of the church sort of reinvents the worship of God for their own generation. That is not something that I think is honoring to God or is honoring to his faithfulness to his people through the years. And so at Forest Hill, we have a, a structure to our liturgy that includes a call to worship and a response of praise and a prayer of invocation or asking God to come and meet with us and to bless us in our worship. And we have a reading of, of the law of God or, or a passage that prepares us to confess our sins and we confess our sins in prayer and we receive assurance of pardon from God in worship and respond to that in praise. And then we, we collect offerings and we have a time of pastoral prayer and then we have a hymn of preparation for the sermon and then we have the reading of the text and the preaching of the word. And all of these things, we do them because they are a biblical pattern, but also they are a biblical pattern that God's people have been following for hundreds of years. We don't have a detailed liturgy given to us in scripture, but we are told what the elements of worship should be, and we are given principles for how God interacts with his people as our covenant Lord. And so we believe in not reinventing the wheel every generation and just sort of clearing the slate and saying, what do we think would be good? We believe in trying to be faithful to biblical patterns of truth and that these would be the same biblical patterns of truth that God's people have followed for hundreds of years. And we don't do so just for the sake of tradition, but tradition that's biblically faithful represents the idea that God is faithful to keep his promises from generation to generation, and that we should be faithful to stick to biblical principles that reflect that faithfulness of God from generation to generation. It also helps us to have an intergenerational church. And we do have, you know, three and four generations uh, within our family that gathers to worship at Forest Hill Presbyterian. And we're very thankful for that. We're very humbled and committed to that as well, because we think it's a biblical pattern. And we see that reflected here in First Chronicles 23. The way things were set up, they were set up according to biblical wisdom, biblical principles then applied by wisdom. And there was a system set up and things were well thought out and well cared for. And this is what we see carried out here in First Chronicles chapter 23. Everyone has their duty, not one person doing the whole work. Sometimes one of the things you see in modern cultures is, oh, the pastor will do that. The pastor will do that. The pastor will do that. I'm so thankful that at Forest Hill, the answer to every question isn't the pastor's going to do that, but rather we all have work to do and we all have our responsibilities. And so there are those who set up chairs and there are those who put out Bibles and hymnals and there are those who set up the sound and there are those who, who lead the worship service and there are those who lead in the singing. And these are not just 
one or two people, but teams of people that serve and that serve faithfully. And we see this reflected here in how they were taking care to do the things that needed to be done for the worship of God in a way that is that is faithful. So God's faithfulness should inspire our faithfulness. God's pattern that he lays out in scripture should inspire our desire to adhere to that pattern in how we carry out worship that honors God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and for the truths that it gives us and for the patterns that it lays down. We pray that we would be faithful to you at Forest Hill Church and at every church. Uh, Different people from different churches are gathered here around your word for these devotionals. And we pray that each one of our churches would reflect biblical principles and patterns of truth and faithfulness to those patterns that you have established in your word and that your people have been blessed by for hundreds of years. May our worship be faithful and by your grace fruitful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's 1 Chronicles 23. I think Mike is back tomorrow for 1 Chronicles 24. And as always, I do hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.